This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. If you'd like to support Hiking Through Life, you can go to hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. We have t-shirts, water bottles, and we recently added stickers to the shop. Use the code podcast at checkout and receive 10% off your first order. There are other ways you can support this podcast as well. You can check those out at hikingthroughlife.net slash support. Also, be sure to sign up for our email list. You can do that by heading over to hikingthroughlife.net. Enter your email address and click subscribe. There's no commitment. You can unsubscribe at any time. As part of our email list, you'll receive our monthly newsletter. We'll also be sending out any promotional codes for Hiking Through Life gear. It's an excellent way to follow Hiking Through Life's journey. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we have Sarah and Andy Emerson on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. Another couple named Sarah and Andy who are passionate about inspiring others to get outdoors and adventure. The fact that they had the same names and are outdoor lovers like us was a big draw to have them on the podcast. They are also pretty adventurous and they're currently road tripping out east in their vintage camper with two puppies. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Thrilled to be here. So let's talk about how your whole adventure began and how you guys met. Yeah, so um, in <laughs> I think it was 2015, Four, 14, 14, 14. Um, <laughs> we had both happened to been attending the Electric Forest Music Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on a break from work and Sarah got gifted a ticket and ended up going with some friends. Yeah. Um, long story short, we met outside of a porta potty. Yep. My friend like came, was in the bathroom and I was talking to Andy and then she came rushing out of the bathroom because of a show was about to start and like grabbed my arm and pulled me into the crowd was like, the music's about to start. We have to go get a spot. We have to go get a spot. And I kept looking back and like seeing Andy and being like, Oh, well, that guy was really cool. I really didn't want to leave. And then we were sitting in the field, like watching the music get ready to start essentially. And then Andy came down and sat next to us and we hung out for the three days of the festival remaining. Um, And then it gets even crazier because you were touring at that time. Yeah. So I had to go back to work uh, after the music festival. I went back out to Washington um, where I was on this traveling dinosaur exhibit. Um, We talked for 
about a month on the phone, you know, like you would. Mm-hmm. And Sarah has a background in musical theater. And I was like, wow, this is like a perfect opportunity. Maybe you come out and join me and we can travel for a while and date on the road. And we did uh, that for three years. Later, yeah. I flew out to Portland. Um, we never officially were like, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. It was just like, we're touring. It's essentially like being a roadie, but instead of rock stars, we have giant robotic dinosaurs that we set up in convention centers across the country. Um, so I did lights and sound for a while and then eventually performing in box office. It was pretty crazy. We did that for three years. And then yeah. um, uh, I it was, was a on couple, road and you were going off. It was like a couple months before we got off the road. We got an opportunity to move back home. So we took it. Uh, we we had a, a vacation week. Oh, I knew that right. I was going home. So I planned this uh, kind of special vacation. We did a, a little road trip through the Southwest. Whenever we were out on the road um, and we got a, a week off, we always liked to go on an adventure and try to hit as many places as we could in like seven days. Mm-hmm. So this one, we, uh, we went to um, Grand, Canyon, Grand Canyon, Las Zion. Vegas, Zion, and then back to Vegas again uh, before going back to work. And when we were at uh, the Grand Canyon, we went for a hike uh, and we went to... Down to Plateau Point. Plateau Point. At sunrise. It was and, way cooler uh, than I you're proposed to her there. <laughs> I saw the picture. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not very detailed, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, so then, and then uh, we were engaged. I toured for maybe a month without you, and then I moved to Minnesota with you. And then we were planning a wedding, realized how expensive it is. And I have So hold on, are both of you from Minnesota? I'm from New York, upstate New York. I'm from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So yeah, we were planning a wedding, like Sarah said. Uh, Found out how expensive it was. Mm -hmm. We were like, well, that's super expensive. And maybe there's a cheaper route. It came down to a phone call with my mom because I knew that she was the most important person to me. And I said, is it weird if I get married at Forest? And she was like, heck no, you need to do that if it's what you want to do and we'll be there. So we got married at Forest. His parents were there. My parents were there. I have two step parents also and my brother. So it was super cool. And like 40 of our friends came. So it was really the coolest, most awesome day. Yeah, it kind of came down to like, (laughs) you know, with Sarah being from New York and me being from Minnesota and us having friend groups in so many different places. And all these different things, um, trying to figure out like who will come and be invited and whatever. We were just like, if we hold it here, then it, we one get to get our parents to go to the festival that we love Two, if anybody wants to come, they can come. They just have to get a ticket. And three, it's, you know, financially a, a feasible thing for us to do. And it didn't, you know, put us a bunch in debt or spend a whole bunch of money so it was it it just made sense right because it's not like you had to like pay for a venue or I mean you had to pay your ticket into the festival but then you just camp at the festival right yeah there's no you don't pay for the band you don't really pay for the food Andy's mom was actually a saint and made (laughs) all this food for everybody at at camp and it was was uh it was like the most magical experience because um some production staff who were like working the VIP area they like made us a sign and they gave us free golf cart rides like from this cabin that my our parents were in like so it was really easy for us to like get ready um we found a photographer who's really ingrained with the festival community and so he was like shooting the festival so he had a a press badge so like he could get his high quality equipment into the grounds like 
all these little pieces that they just fell into place. Yeah, thought we we're going to be tough, like all just fell into yeah. place. So it was a, a very special weekend. Yeah. And it was the year before they started officially doing weddings at the festival. So we had to find someone who was attending the festival that was also an ordained minister and schedule it with them. It worked out that we work in events because we were creating a mini event at a larger event. Right. It all fell into place. That's super cool. And like cool that you guys did it before they were like officially having weddings at festivals. You guys were like little test runners and it sounds like it was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It was the year before they officially had like a ticket where you could get married. It was wild. Tons of fun. uh, Very unique opportunity. (laughs) We stuck around for a second week and did our honeymoon, like a little flash honeymoon there. Yeah. They did two weekends Um, that year. Overall, it was just like very special experience. So it was fun. I love that. And so you lived in this van for three years before you got married. Like, was this van like built out with a bed and everything before Sarah so came? I, I love the way what? you described that because we uh, we like to describe it that way that we lived out of a van. Now, <laughs> um, we worked for a, a touring entertainment company. And so we traveled by 15 passenger van. Yeah, we drove. Uh, but we, li- we lived out of hotels. So every week we'd go to a new hotel. You Definitely know? felt like you lived in the van though, because it was you. I mean, for a lot of the time I was one of the only girls. So it was like, you know, all the smelly work boots. We were in the van for one time we drove from LA to Austin. And then one was, or was it LA to Phoenix? Or then Phoenix yeah. to New Orleans. Yeah. Like that's a humongous stretch of time in two days. So it felt like you lived in that van for quite some time. Yeah. So yeah, we traveled like that for three years. We'd work 48 weeks a year and get four weeks off. and. You know, you just end up in crazy places like the Pacific Northwest with a week off and you get to go to Olympic, Olympic National randomly. Park and like, yeah. And at that time, we weren't really as outdoor enthusiasts as we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of just like, we would know. always gravitate towards a national park, yeah. but we didn't necessarily know like what to do, what to look for you know, what, what is like the typical activity that people do here, we would just show up with anyone from the crew who wanted to go. And we would kind of just do what we felt like doing that day, which yeah. was kind of nice. It just wasn't stressful. We go just hike a trail and like basketball shorts and flip flops. <laughs> yeah, like, kind of <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. It was wild, but it was always fun. It was mm-hmm. always fun. So And cheap. We loved it. It was like, you just have to get the pass and the whole car gets in and we all had fun. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like neither of you like grew up with like an outdoors hiking background. I've never asked you um, that. Not as a hiking background. My I family went hiking. camping uh, growing up, you know, classic Minnesota. Classic Minnesota, yes. We went to the local park reserve on the weekends and we had a pop-up camper and we'd go up north um you know a few times a year like like you see with normal minnesota families mine's definitely different but yeah i grew up in a small mountain town in upstate new york where you could drive like two miles out of town and find a waterfall it's not the adirondacks but it's closer to the albany area and the catskill mountains so there's pretty much anywhere you go you can find a trailhead so it was kind of a classic high school activity to like get your friends and go for the two mile hike to the waterfall and then come back. Um, My family did a lot of camping on state land, uh, state parks, city parks, you name it, but it was never like backpacking necessarily, but it was definitely like weekend, longer weekend excursions of camping. So I've always had that in me. I don't know if I liked it so much when I was a kid, because when you're a kid, you're kind of like, I hate this. I want my Nintendo or whatever. But uh, I think it definitely plays a part 
in our passion for it now. Yeah, for sure. And that's like super similar to both of us. Like we both grew up camping Minnesota stuff with our families. And now it's just like a huge, huge part of our lives that we constantly are inspiring others to do. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's it. That's what you do. Yeah. So um, you guys decided to do this road trip this summer and that was kind of due to COVID because you lost your jobs. Is that right? It's kind of a myriad of things. So we both work in entertainment um, in Minneapolis and we were both furloughed from our jobs. And then the place we worked got a PPP loan. We were working full time again. I mean, it was all kind of weird because I think when March 1st hit, March 13th, like the blackout day, everyone like society generally thought, oh, this will be over in a couple months. You know, we'll be back to work in, in June or whatever. The theater will be back open, no problem. And now that we're here in July, we're realizing that maybe it won't be till next year. You know, it's all kind of strange. So we technically still are connected with the theater that we're working with. We do like work some hours remotely for them now. Um, but we had trips to go, we had trips planned, tickets bought to go to Peru, which would have been our first international trip to go to Machu Picchu and a couple of the national parks there. And then we also had a, a backpacking trip planned with some of our friends at Glacier National Park. Um, cause we do all of our travel and vacationing in the summer. So we were, everything was there and ready to go. Then COVID hit, we got tickets refunded. Everything was canceled. Things weren't going to happen. And it just kind of became this like what are we going to do? Can we do anything? What is the safest thing for us to do? I had a big calling for my, for me to go home to New York. We've had like a couple COVID scares in the family. So, you know, you just want to go and like be there. It's hard to be so far when all of this is going on. So that was our initial drive to think, okay, how do we get to New York? Well, we have the camper that's safer than an airplane. Let's fix up the camper, get it drivable, get to New York. And then we started thinking, well, do we want to go anywhere else? Is it safe to go anywhere else? So you had this camper before the road trip was planned. We did. We did. We kind of bought it like on a whim. Yeah, we got a great deal. A lady up in the, the lakes region was looking to get rid of it. We weren't really sure. We had been like looking on marketplace and different places for a few months and mm-hmm. this just was like a great deal. It didn't really have any like a lot of water damage and they had already resealed it. So what I think I was out on I was out traveling for work and then I got home and she was like, "Look at this thing. We should go look at it." So we just went up and we just it looked great it. and we bought it and mm-hmm. Kept it at the house for a while, and yeah, we were like sort this of. This was kind of like a, yeah, we were like slowly fixing sort it up, of. but this was kind of a kick in the pants to. Yeah, we're not working. Um, fix it up and let's go. Get it ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there a hole that you had to do on it? Um. So we had to rip, uh, quite a bit out. Um. There's still things that need to be done to it, but in order to get it drivable, uh, yeah, roadworthy. Can we drive in this today? We had to yes. redo the back four feet of the back wall and the back six feet of the floor mm-hmm. and basically reframe, rip it all out to the metal, reframe it all back in and then refinish it. Uh, and then test a whole bunch of stuff. So we had to retest like all the systems, like the gas, the water, the electrical, um, the lights for, you know, hooking up to your, your vehicle. And there were a few minor things we had to do there. Like we had to replace to the, the, the four flat on the light connection the electrical connector for the trailer. 
But uh, yeah, we had to replace that, uh, which was fun. And but everything else pretty much worked. Yeah, which was really nice. I mean, that was a long list that you just named. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's still, there's still no fridge, no bathroom, no AC, no water. So, like, there's definitely still work to do, but it is a glorified hard unit tent. It works. It works. There's windows. There's it, the wheels uh, stay are inflated circular. and they roll down the road. Like, <laughs> I'm happy about it. How does it do when you're going down, like, the dirt roads and the mountain roads? Um, It does all right. Yeah. We... It's mountains that we have to worry about because it's so heavy. Yeah. So we just like chunk up with our truck. Dirt roads do okay. Um, I'm a little bit scared to really push it now. Uh, so two weeks into our road trip, we blew out the transmission on the truck. Uh, so right before we left, we, we bought a new, a used truck, something a little bigger to tow and be a little more roomy and comfortable for this trip. Um, so we made that purchase. And then, of course, two weeks into the trip, we were trying to leave Cleveland and the truck wouldn't leave second gear. And so we brought it to a transmission shop and they said, you need to get a rebuilt transmission. Uh, so we spent four days in a parking lot, parking lot at this mechanics in our camper <laughs> uh, shop and he fixed up our transmission. And now I'm scared to really test it out. Yeah. yeah. We're scared of the parking lot situation. It was a little roundabout way to get there, but. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you never know what you're gonna, what issues you're gonna get into. And like, we've always like talked about maybe we should get a camper, but I mean, yeah, there, there is a price tag with all the maintenance that you guys seem to be having with it. <laughs> yep. Since we've gotten out on the road though, besides the transmission, mm -hmm. the trailer has been doing exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, we haven't had any major issues with it. Knock on wood. Um, but I'm I'm really happy with it. I'm happy we have it. It, it is it is, in my opinion, the safest way, unless you're going backpacking in the wilderness right now. it feels like the safest way to be traveling. In Vermont, we even saw this a lot of campgrounds only allow you to come if you have a full hookup trailer, which ours is not, so we couldn't go. So you have can only go if your RV has a bathroom and all of that stuff. So it feels safe while we're out here on the road. We're not interacting with people as much as we would be if we were in a hotel or something. Yeah. And what's it like going from like state to state? I mean, do you see some, I mean, even your example you just gave of Vermont seems like it's a little more strict than here in Minnesota. Yeah. It's been, um, that's definitely been the weirdest thing. Like when we started the trip, I thought, oh, we're going to go on a vacation and kind of escape the crazy. And then we started the trip and realized how complicated it got as it went along. So we're in Maine now. The Northeast area, they were like the first part of the country that got hit with the COVID wave. Um, the rules are definitely different. So Vermont, if you're visiting Vermont, you have to be from coming from a county with less than 400 cases per million in the population. So we were fortunately in Greene County, New York, which is where I'm from. So we were in a green county. So we were okay to go to Vermont and check into a campground. We have to sign. Um, what is it called that you sign? Like a, It's really just like a, a release that it, it, it's just stating that. Um, I'm we, from this yeah. county. At, like you're following the rules. It's like a declaration. I Sarah Emerson say that I followed the rules so I can stay at this campground. So it puts the liability off of the campground and the government and on me, um, which is good. So 
the what I've experienced like as we've traveled and going from different places is really that it's important to remain cognizant of the rules mm-hmm. of each individual state and county, city, et cetera, and make sure that you're reading up on that yeah. well in advance of traveling there. So when we went into Vermont, we knew a couple days in advance, okay, what do we need to do and look for? And um, luckily mm-hmm. we, we qualified for that. Uh, and like with Maine, we knew before we got here that we had to get, uh, we had to get a test completed within 72 hours of arriving and checking uh, and checking in at a, a, a campground. Mm-hmm. So we got a test done in New York during that 72 hour window, traveled to Maine and then checked into a campground in Maine. Um, right, received our negative results. That's important. Yeah. Received <laughs> our negative results. Um, it's been very interesting seeing the difference across the country in the way that it's being treated. Like the Midwest was kind of handling it one way. Uh, we went through Detroit. Detroit was hit very hard. And so you mm-hmm. could see the way that it affected um, just the everyday life, like way more businesses were closed. And then coming east, like like Sarah said, the Northeast kind of has it handled. Like, Yeah, so it's like a different. well-oiled machine out here, which is, I'm kind of grateful that we're here because we're here, the machine is well-oiled and we just have to be a cog in that machine and, and participate in the way that we're supposed to and we're fine and it's nice. Um, not that we're usually out in a rural area anyway, but right mm-hmm. now we're in the Acadia National Park area. And it's like Bar Harbor specifically is such a tourist town that the economy here relies on people wearing masks and sanitizing their hands so much that the town actually has these mailboxes out and about that have free masks in them on in the square and a full sanitizer thing. And there's very clear directions. Sanitize your hands, grab a free mask, put it on, close the lid and sanitize your hands again. And it's just it's so interesting to just see how every city, county, community is handling this differently. And we're just... It's definitely this place, uh, I think Bar Harbor being that it's uh, a tourist location mm-hmm. and what they're doing for the city to, uh, to, to communicate how the importance of mask wearing. Um, the adoption, well north of 90% of people are wearing them. Mm-hmm. People are wearing them like anywhere in the downtown streets. They're being worn it's uh it's great to see like it's really cool to be out here and see that you know that people are participating, are participating <laughs> voluntarily right especially and i mean that's great to see in a touristy town because if people weren't doing that they'd probably have to shut down right away again exactly, exactly. well because it's even like here in minnesota since the mandate went in last friday i i still see people not wearing masks <laughs> in public places <laughs> Well, because it comes down to those businesses to enforce the rules, too. So it's it's been interesting to see that also. Like, you know, how is it being enforced yeah. in each community is different. It's been very cool to watch the kind of the community itself self-police here. Um, we just went to a Hannaford's, which is a grocery store. And I think we saw at least 100 people in there, like throughout a walking around. And I didn't see one person without a mask on. So, yeah. so do you guys feel like you're welcome in these places? At, like when they like see that your license plate is from Minnesota, do you feel like you're welcome? Or do some people kind of still seem a little anxious about that? Um, I would say that we're as welcome as we would be any other time. Yeah. 
So we just went to this great place uh, the other day in Maine called the Bigelow Preserve. Uh, it's in Stratton, Maine. It's this great like mountain region, right, More with all, like the Maine. lakes. And uh, people were saying things like, oh, people come up here from Massachusetts and New York and they're taking it over. And a majority of the people there were Mainers. So I feel like just like anytime out-of-towners aren't as welcome in some of those places. Uh, but in Bar Harbor and some of the other more touristy locations, yeah. I felt welcomed. Yeah. I, I've never felt anyone um, a slide eye or anything like that about like, oh, well, what are you doing out here? If anything, it's been, it's so slow, you know, it's nice that you're here. And we've been actually really conscious about trying to spend our money with local businesses and communities. Like we went to Hannaford, which is a chain, but we've been trying to like go to farm stands and farmers markets and keep our monies in the community that we're going to. So we're helping like these tourist towns yeah. need some sort of support from tourists. So the less time we go to Walmart and the more time we go to the local drugstore, the better. So we're trying to be a positive player in all of it. But I, I would say everyone's been very gracious. Yeah. That's good to hear. I mean, yeah, we were going to be going on, we were going to go down to um, Utah this summer and then like due to COVID, well, and I'm pregnant, so we decided not to do it. But like, that was like a fear that I had. I was like, what would people think about us traveling state to state? Are they going to like question us? But well, congrats on your pregnancy. That's oh, thank awesome. you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But that was, uh, that was definitely something we were worried about too. I mean, for me right away, I ha I knew I had to go see my family this summer, no matter what, like that was not a question. So, um, we do like, there are some of my like personal friends that have asked me like, you know, why are you traveling right now? It doesn't seem, you know, right during this time. And for me, I was seeing my family that was going to happen. I just couldn't not do that. And this was the safest thing for us to do. And I think, um, I don't know. I feel good about our choice. I think we're doing it really safely. We interact with less people out here on the road. Right. And like living in your own trailer. I mean, you have your own space. And when we do interact with people, we're always incredibly safe. Like even if they are someone that is not wearing a mask, we're strict with wearing our mask. We have a huge jug of sanitizer in the car. We're really cognizant about our dogs and people touching our dogs and we get te we've been tested twice now. We plan on getting tested again before we turn back and head back home. It's uh, I, I kind of look at it like your behavior, whether you're at your home or whether you're traveling on the road, is up to yourself. It's up to your own integrity on how you're going to uh, police yourself. And so, if you're going to you know be in your hometown and you're going to go out to bars or like sitting down inside for long periods at restaurants or you know, doing different things that might be quote unquote risky behaviors in our current situation versus like if you didn't do that out on the road and you were um, practicing safe behaviors and social distancing, et cetera. We feel like uh, you can be safer traveling or you can be just as safe traveling as you are. Uh, at home. And I know and I know when we're like taking a risk, you know, coming out and saying that publicly, we'll probably get some blowback for being like, I don't know. It's the risk we took traveling and we feel pretty confident about it. We actually saw another Minnesota plate at the campground we're staying at when we pulled in. And that was in a way like confirming or, or comforting of like, oh, okay, someone else from a far distance is here. Um, there are people that live full time in RVs that are out traveling. It's, it's just a different 
way of, of being safe during this time. Exactly. Well, and I'm sure that you guys are also using like websites like freecampsites.net and like going out and like boondocking and far off places, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've done, uh, we've stayed at two different places uh, that were off of freecampsites.net on this trip, I believe. Just two? Two, maybe um, three. I can't remember. One in Michigan and one just uh, last week in Maine. Mm-hmm. Staying far off. These campgrounds, every campground we've been to has it down. Like yeah. they all have it down. There's sanitizing a system to cleaning the bathrooms and there's social distancing, like guidelines and rules put in place. Mm-hmm. So uh, just about everywhere we've been, you just see like the same kind of system, but each place has its own bells and whistles, I guess. Yeah. So what has your route been? Like you left Minnesota. So we left uh, Minneapolis on June 24th. Mm-hmm. We went to, uh, we first went to the Porcupine Mountains. Yep. Uh, stayed at a boondock campsite. Um, on the national, there's like a little tiny piece of national forest land in that park, the way the road goes. So there's a couple boondocking sites there. So we stayed there. We, did a couple um, days. we went through the UP, down to Detroit. That was our first week. And then we did Cuyahoga Valley National Park in Ohio. We went there too. Nice. We only did one day. And we were going to leave, but then our transmission blew. So an unexpected four days there at a transmission shop. Um, That was an interesting park, though, because I think that was the one that was like in a neighborhood. Yeah, it really is. It's like you can it's cool to see how like that river valley played such a critical role in that city's growth and like it was the canal ways but the the one thing i really wanted to do was to go to the canal education center and it was closed naturally so we kind of stood outside and gave it a wave and did our research online instead (laughs) but um it was really a a cool fun experience and it's been and this is maybe my selfishness showing but it's been nice because they're not crowded right now it's been the national park system itself I have to say has the COVID thing down the best of any business we've been to. They have the trails, all the loop trails are clockwise only. All the ranger stations are outside and super spaced out in these big open spaces. A national park to me right now feels like the safest place to be. Um, You're just, I'm just loving it. I'm loving how well down they got it. So shout out to the national park service. It's uh, yeah. Shout out to them. Uh, we went to, uh, when we went to Acadia the other day, just a little side note, um, we went to the main ranger station, we checked in and like just the directional arrows, the way that they have everything set up, the way that they just process people through with so many rangers there to tell you, yeah. uh, teach you about the park was just, it yeah. was exceptional. Yeah. I didn't feel any lack of service, which is surprising because we were prepared to be completely on our own but it was really cool that's cool too because like so many people right now want to be like COVID has just like pushed people to get outdoors more so that's really cool to hear that the national parks are doing so much to support that yeah I I, we didn't have to really touch anything like it was it's excellent so you were in Cuyahoga Valley yeah and then we actually made one set of plans like the whole trip and of course the transmission breakdown like overlapped with these plans so we had to quick speed up and catch up. Uh, so we went to Watkins Glen, New York. Watkins Glen, New York. Spent one night there out of a three-night reservation, and then uh, made our way to Albany. 
and we spent a week there seeing family and friends in green county uh, a very busy week probably the busiest week of our <laughs> yeah that was that was uh something and, and then, then we got our tests we had to schedule our covid tests so we ended up staying for three more days than we intended to in albany got the test headed to vermont to camp out while we waited for our results um and then once we got those results you're we like we're going to maine that's where we have our compass pointed and we're here we made it it's great <laughs> yeah and the the timeline is kind of it's kind of open-ended we we have uh we had saved up all of this money initially for this huge international trip that we had been planning for years and it just kind of it just blew up in our face so we were feeling super down about that and then we took it and we flipped it and we were like you know what now we have all this money back from our plane tickets and our hostels and all this stuff let's just take our time there's no rush. The entertainment business is a mess right now. And just take our time and get home when we get home. You know, we're still working a little bit and we're just trying to stay positive with all of this going on. And the outdoors have been so helpful in that. I think yesterday in Arcadia, we were sitting at Cadillac Mountain and I was thinking to myself, I finally feel like somewhat normal again. I feel like I can think clearly. I'm not bogged down with you know, the news in Minneapolis or, or, or the, the pandemic, I'm just taking a deep breath and relaxing with my family finally. And I'll come back and I'll be there and I'll be ready to be an active member of my community again. But right now I just need to breathe. So it's been really very nice. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were feeling that like that for the past months and still mm -hmm. like, yeah, the outdoors gives people exactly what they need just some yeah. space and for clarity and everything right now mm -hmm. yeah there's I don't I of course don't know the quote right now but there's a quote somewhere out there that's like nature reminds you or takes its time and always like is always beautiful and always takes it its time or something and that every time I go out into the outdoors I'm reminded of that this place is, you know you go into these magnificent places whether that's a state park in the Minnesota or the Boundary Waters or Acadia National Park and you're just looking at this majesty around you and you're reminded that this has taken millions of years to get here and we are so small and just take a deep breath and keep riding the wave that's going on and it's all going to be okay at some point like it's it's always been that for me and it's it's just was reiterated to me yesterday so that's been awesome just like one of those like ah moments yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and that's and I hope that more people get outside and and find that whether that's locally or somewhere because I think everyone could use a good ah moment this summer <laughs> this absolutely year. have you guys done any backpacking since you've been out east uh we haven't done any sort of overnight trips on this trip um couple day hikes we did some day hiking in the porcupine mountains we did uh big a, hike in maine yeah big hike in maine and, and summited a peak there and our dogs uh, haven't ever gone backpacking they're still they're both rescue brindle mixed dogs with a ton of energy um one is good on the leash the other not so much we use them sometimes to help us get up mountains when we're tired but uh I don't know if they're ready for a full backpacking trip, like out in the wilderness one day, but just not yet. Yeah. Well, if you guys do consider it, um, we, when we were out there, we did the long trail 
for a couple of days. And that was incredible. Wow. And very challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Is that in Acadia? No, that's in Vermont. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. I know we we like breeze through Vermont, but I really want to go back since our timeline is open ended and go spend more time there because it was beautiful. Yeah, it was in. Well, the the trail, the long trail, goes from Massachusetts all the way up to the Canadian border, um, but we were in the Stowe area in Vermont. Awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, beautiful big ski town, and they have a. A couple breweries there too so we had to get a couple <laughs> beers after our hike <laughs> that's always a winning nice. activity post hike activity <laughs> but another one we did actually in um new hampshire was we summited mount washington which is the mm-hmm. highest peak out there in new england yes we were talking about doing that you guys yeah. should now we got to go back <laughs> now we have to now we have to oh my gosh it, yeah we did it in a day it was a whole day yeah I think it took us about like four hours going up and then three or two and a half coming down. But yeah, it was awesome. And if your dogs have a lot of energy, it's a good mountain to wear them out on. Oh, that will be perfect. Yeah, we uh, we did this place called Cranberry Peak in the Bigelow Preserve. And it was, a, I thought, a great day hike. Um, it, it was, was like, so hard. It was so hard. It was uh, straight up the mountain. 5.8 miles. So it was 2.9 <laughs> each way. And it was like 2200 vertical feet each way so there were some stretches where like it was like 10 i don't know it was like walking up a mountain runoff creek it was crazy (laughs) vertical until you got to the ridge line and then you just went like a little bit this way and you were on the summit but it was good it was a good a good hike for the dogs that was that was the goal and we achieved it Yeah, I know sometimes those hard, like when you're doing those really challenging ones, like in the moment you're like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm, that definitely I'm fully like up on a rock and I don't know what's going <laughs> to, if I fall, I'm dead, yeah. but you know what? I went doing what I love. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. And the views up there too, if you, if you guys do get out to like Mount Washington or the presidential range out there in the white mountains, it's, uh, it's beautiful up there and you get above the tree lines especially and then you can see for for miles that's awesome that'll have to happen then yeah well now we have to do it yeah i think the the only the one thing that we have uh going forward now like planning wise is keeping an eye on like so we had originally planned to go down the east coast uh into virginia over to kentucky to go to Mammoth Caves, Louisville and Lexington, and then kind of boots scoot boogie back. It's also one of the few states that we have to check off our list. And Kentucky is in such a weird state spot and it's surrounded by states we've already been to. So we got to just go and make it happen. But Um, but now with how so many states are handling COVID where uh, traveling from a certain state is like a mandatory quarantine and like all of those different things. Um, that's like the one thing we have to consider mm-hmm. going forward is remaining cognizant of all of those. Uh, rules. Yeah. Well, yeah. The rules in every individual state. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a lot more planning on that, like taking time to quarantine or taking time to go get a test. I mean, yeah. Last year when we were out there, we could just be like, let's go here today. Let's go here today. And it didn't really matter. So, I mean, it sounds like it's all still possible, but 
the the logistics of it is a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely, there's like inherent risk with it as well. You know, if you're going to a place like I would not go to Florida right now, you know, um, or I would not go to other really hot regions, you know, cause you're just taking a higher risk. So right. just remaining cognizant, following the numbers, following the, well, and the, the added rules. layer too is like when we went to Detroit, we planned to be coming from the UP, we're going to a major city, we're going to refuel. So we'll go, you know, pick up some takeout food or, um, you know, whatever, but everything was closed. Like everything in Detroit was closed. It was also 4th of July weekend, which might've added it, but we're noticing it now. And we're kind of getting used to it now that you have to look up a business before you plan on going there because it might not be open this season because that's just how things are this year. And at first we used to get like really frustrated and like really tired and push ourselves to the normal limit of tiredness on the road. And now it's like, maybe reserve a little bit of that energy because you might have to go to a different business to get what you're looking for. Right. Right. And those are just like, yeah, that's those challenges. I know last year, one of like the most frustrating things for us on the road was just like finding a free campsite sometimes was a huge, huge challenge. And like on the nights that you did have to sleep in like a Walmart parking lot when it was like super hot, like there were a few of those and that was like so miserable. (laughs) Yeah, we found that more going through like Ohio and some of the more industrialized parts of the Great Lakes. It was not as much open forest land that you might find in like upstate New York or even further out east and stuff. We ran into just so many unique challenges when it came to camping on this trip. like. I want to go here, but they only take full rig RVs or like that was a good situation. (laughs) Or like you guys are talking about in Ohio, we were going, we were going to Cuyahoga Valley where there's not very many campgrounds in the first place. You're right outside of Cleveland and it was the 4th of July. So it was like, where are you going to stay? So I end up like, we're, we just dig, dig, dig down these lists of campgrounds. We ended up at some, like, it was like half trailer park half campground the guy just said like go park over there or wherever you want to park like you can just park there there's power like we've seen it we all so far it, it was awesome it, it was, was great it was something else um but we've uh we've definitely come across our fair share of challenges in the lodging department yeah for sure and have you ever like reserved a spot in advance or is it like every night you're just like let's try this out and see how it goes we did in new york because that was um yeah, we, see we knew we, we were going to go with this sort of amenity amenities. I'm going to want to shower before yeah. I see my mom and dad. We knew we were going to be there for a week. So we booked a week. But that was it. Everywhere else we've it. gone yeah, we to. just showed up. Or we booked the day before, if anything. I don't think we did. Maybe day of. I think yeah. we would just show up and they would. Most of them are non-reservation campgrounds if they're like real campgrounds or it was free campsites. Yeah. And we've never run into a problem. We've had more problems trying to reserve a site in some instances than just showing up to other places that don't do reservations. Yeah. And is it mostly free campsites that not that you're using or are there other resources that you've found super helpful? I'll start with freecampsites.net mm-hmm. and see what's available there. Uh, because of course, who doesn't love free? And they generally are awesome places. Yeah. Um, and then if there's nothing there, then I'll dive down into, I've been using this app called The Dirt, D-Y-R-T. Um, D-Y-R-T. And I found that pretty helpful. It has a lot of campground listings mm-hmm. uh, and a great map function. Um, and then 
after that, Google. we'll go to Google, I'm a Google machine. I and just kind of dig through there and like, we'll just look at it, uh, try to look at like what rates are, what the reviews are like, the amenities, and then just weigh it against and then like, the COVID rules. And it's then like the COVID rules. Your normal like um, filtering, like, okay, the reviews are good. The price is good. It has the amenities I want. It looks like a decent campground. The pet rules fit our pets. Now also, what are the COVID rules? Can I bring my rig there? Is the bathroom open? <laughs> are they open at all? It's like just another added piece to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's nuts. It's like, I mean, it's just the norm that we're in now. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I hate saying it, but like, it's just our new reality and we have to just figure out how to live in it, I guess. So we're just out here doing it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, what have been some of your favorite places that you guys have been to? Uh, Stratton, Maine. Easy. That's an easy Stratton, Maine was amazing. Like the free campsite is stunningly on the lake. The lake is like the boundary waters and the Adirondack mountains had a baby. There's mountain peaks and summits everywhere. The site was right on the lake. They had fire rings and picnic tables, and there was even a pit toilet. So it was like everything we could have ever wanted for our camper was there. I would say that that's my favorite, but (laughs) to give you guys another example, uh, I really liked Pictured Rocks. We did, I think, two days at Pictured Rocks, one day kind of just visiting every location, and then the second day we did uh, a 10-mile hike kind of along the coast looking at the rocks. Yeah, we actually boarded the dogs that day. Yeah, we boarded the dogs that day so we could go take a hike where where dogs weren't allowed. Um, it kind of took you to this hidden beach area, mm-hmm. uh, which was awesome. Um, it was really refreshing once you hit like the seven mile mark in your 10 mile hike to hit a beach, yeah. be able to like kind of jump in the water, cool off a little bit. Uh, and then finish those last three miles out. So I loved it there. Highly recommend it to anyone. I think if the park system wants to make a 60-second park, it should be Fixtured Rocks. Easy. That's my vote. Yeah, we haven't been there. But yeah, good idea to board your dogs. We had to do that. We did that once last summer on our road trip so we could go to Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. Um, Because yeah, that is like the downfall of traveling with dogs. They're not allowed in so many places. So like when we would go through the national parks, we would just like get out quickly, take a picture and move on. Because I mean, we're not going to board our dog everywhere we went. Yeah, we've had that same way. Uh, We've been fairly lucky with the dog stuff. Um, it's part of why we places, chose the east, though, yeah, too. Yeah, most the of the west, places have, have allowed it. Just another little side note, that Bigelow Preserve that we talked about in Stratton, Maine, most of those trails there are off-leash dog trails. Mm-hmm. So you can just go hiking and your dog can be off-leash and uh, yeah. walk s- along with you. We summited that mountain without them on the leash, and we saw nobody. So we're always a little wary with off-leash because our dogs can be a lot of energy. But it, we saw maybe two or three dogs and they were all super chill so we we loved that that was really cool great place for dog owners yeah yeah you know that now that you mentioned that I remember a lot of off-leash areas too when we were out east last summer and um yeah our dog is like that like she doesn't like it when other dogs come up to her there's lots of issues with that so yeah that was a struggle but I do recall that now that you guys said that so many places yeah which makes it more challenging in some aspects if if your dog can be reactive which ours can be definitely 
So there would be a big dog coming and we'd be like, hey, our dog's out here and she's over here somewhere, but she might come over here and maybe not be cool, but she might be cool too. Like it's kind of this weird question mark. And then she's pretty good about listening and we can get her on the leash and handle a situation. Like we didn't have any emergencies, but it was, it was just a different sort of attitude, I guess. Like if it's an on leash trail and someone has their dog off leash, like I'm instantly like, how dare you? Like my dog deserves to be here as much as your dog. And I'm sure Andy can tell you, like I go on a whole rant when I see a dog off leash at an on leash trail, but an off leash trail, it just like changed my whole attitude and almost made it more enjoyable. I don't know, but. Well, yeah, it's just like, it goes down to just respecting the rules of the trail. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, I get super aggravated when, I mean, in Minnesota, pretty much every park has a leashed rule. Yep. Yeah. And with good reason, there's a lot of rescues in the area and they deserve to be out there just as much as your friendly, you know, whatever. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I know it's like half the time, more than half the time. I think people don't respect the rule, unfortunately. Yeah. And we're yelling down the trail, like my dog's not friendly. And then it's usually, but mine is. And I'm like, I don't care because mine is <laughs> like, that's yeah. great for you, but mine is not. So please take your dog over there. Right. Right. People don't see it from like the other side. Like not, not all dogs are friendly. Nope. No. <laughs> yeah. I saw you guys wrote an article about that. We wrote an article about that as well. Yes. Like the more, the more that are out there, maybe the more people will pay attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So tell us about your website. When did you start blogging and writing articles about all this stuff? So we started last year. um, So I work in digital marketing and I've always wanted to start a blog of some kind. And I'm so far from my family um, that it was a simple, excuse me, a simple way for me to write like keep in touch with my mom and dad and tell them about our travels and we travel so frequently. Um, So we started it before we went on our first backpacking trip last year to Isle Royale National Park. Um, And it started out as more of a personal blog, fun sort of a thing. Also like a learning tool for me with my digital marketing career. And then recently we started realizing that we naturally find ourselves looking for like thrifty ways to be out and traveling more. We're not really like luxury travelers. We enjoy finding free campsites. We enjoy doing free or low cost activities. Um, So we took it from more of a personal blog to more of a blog about finding deals or bargains or cheap ways to travel so that you can travel more. Because if we spend less on one location, we can see multiple locations. So we took it to Thrifty Tripster, um, this year yeah, yeah it was kind it was of an like idea really... on this trip actually uh i think we were at the porcupines and i just mm-hmm. we were like hiking one day and i was like sarah what do you think about this idea yeah. she's like i love it so and it's just been, that ever been just since. discussing it for a couple of weeks and yeah making the moves now yeah. and we're self-proclaimed hipsters or that which makes us not a hipster if you call yourself a hipster it's this whole thing and then <laughs> <laughs> so we're thrifty tripsters actually so we we look for free and cheap stuff to do and we do it frequently and we're just going to keep writing about it until we get kicked out which i think is impossible on the internet yeah so. i think it's a, a <laughs> an interesting like offer uh to people out there to say like look you can it, it doesn't have to cost a lot to go on vacation mm-hmm. it doesn't have to cost a lot to go outside and and, and see these beautiful places it's something that everyone can do no matter their income 
And so here's a good option. Like you could go to the Porcupine Mountains mm-hmm. with $100 in a tank of gas. Not even, I think like $50 in a tank of gas. From and that'll cover your whole weekend. Yep. You know, your passes, your hiking, your food, all sorts of stuff. And so finding those different like package weekends is something that we're looking to share with yeah. people. Yeah, and we've had our own like financial struggles as a young married couple in general. Like when we were first out on the road, Um, We racked up a lot of like credit card debt and then we were dealing with all of this and it's just been such an integral part of our life, like getting our finances together in order to travel that we figured that's what we're going to do now. We're going to help other people do that because I'm not going to say we cracked the code. There's definitely a million different ways to crack whatever code fits you best, but we're two real people that travel and we do it for the lowest possible price, except when we're in Bar Harbor and we want to eat some lobster, we'll, you know, spend $40 or something on a meal. And <laughs> there are your splurge moments, but, um, yeah, for sure. It's our passions merging together. So we're loving it. Yeah, no, I love that. Cause yeah, we're like super frugal and thrifty as well. And always just like, like, yeah, just encouraging people that going outdoors is, is super cheap. And even like gear, like you can get like very low, low budget gear as well. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so easy to fall into that trap too of like, I need the best gear right now all at once. Why though? Like you don't have to, you can go to the garage sale or hit up a Facebook group and you'll find that same thing for cheaper. It'll just have a little bit of grime on it. REI garage sale. Do it. Don't miss it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we hit that up and we hit up Facebook Marketplace frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually just got a new tent since we're expanding the family. We figured we needed a bigger tent. We only had a two-person. So we found a great deal on an REI four-person. It was a little bit older of a tent, but we just tried it out this past week and it works perfect. There you go. Perfect. We even had a little bit of rain to test it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stayed dry. That's important. That's the important part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so does one of you like do the blog more so is it you Sarah that like is like the main one who does the blog <laughs> we have this conversation all of the time I'm always like especially now that we're out on the road and this is like primarily like what I do to keep my mind in the digital marketing space I'm like working all of the time or I'm thinking about what you know, blog post is going to be, I take the photos, I edit the photos, I do all the social media scheduling. Andy's like, uh, what can I do to help? And I'll just like shoot him off these little assignments. So you're definitely getting more. So yeah, I'm definitely uh, her personal assistant, (laughs) along with, uh, I'm trying to take on more. Um, I definitely want to like start to do some more. Yeah. So we'll write some more. I have a lot of passion in in the financial aspect of it. So Mm -hmm. that will definitely start to show more in the new, uh, the new, the new iteration yeah. posts that we put up. Uh, but I have a background in logistics. Uh, so like the planning of all this stuff, like, wait, I thought you're in entertainment. So uh, we're in entertainment, but like I would deal. So in the entertainment realm, I would work in, uh, I've always worked in operations. Yeah. So when we were with the dinosaur show, I would work in how to move five semi trucks and 35 people from city to city every week and where they sleep and, how they get to point A and point B and building contracts. Those kind of things were, were my labor, background. Yeah. So like planning out campgrounds and routes and just how we're going to actually do these things is what I do. And maybe that's just what I, what I tell myself is my part of this project. Um, 
I mean, that's a pretty big part of it. It is. It is. I just get to like say, well, I'd, I'd rather do something else, plan something else. And then you'll come up with a whole new day and then yeah. I'll just go on the adventure. I say, give me, give me the parameters and then I'll design and then we'll go. And I then she'll only say, want to hike five miles. You did well or you did poorly and I know how to adjust for the future. <laughs> like any relationship. Yeah, we got it. We're good. That's cool. Yeah. Cause we, yeah, we have like our blog too. And it's definitely, um, not, it's both of us doing it. Like I do all the writing and then like, he's like the logistics dude, 100%. (laughs) I'll do the editing and yeah. Kind of when each post goes out and stuff like that. Yeah. Nice. It's a lot of behind the scenes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So I mean, what other goals do you guys have for the website? I mean, I know you share a ton of stuff. You guys have the Minnesota State Park Passport Club and stuff on there. There's an article about that. That was super informative. Um, we love that. Last week, we were just we just hit up like five state parks and seven. got up seven state parks and got a bunch of stamps. Wow. Nice. <laughs> That's a good run. It was. And it was only in four days. It was a lot of hiking. Oh wow. my gosh. Did and you, you're pregnant. Good for you, girl. You and it was so hot. <laughs> Did you guys get both of the passports? Did you get like the passport one and the hiking club one? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the best way to do it. You Coming from an efficiency nut. It's like, you're going to show up there get the passport and then might as well do the hike that they tell you to do to get the other thing. Yep. So that's awesome. Do you, uh, which parks were they? Can I ask? We started out with, let's see here. Um, Charles Lindbergh state park and then made our way up to Crow wing. And then Itasca was our goal. Cause we had two campsite nights nice. reserved there. And while we were at Itasca, we went to LaSalle Recreation Area, so not a state park, but they had a hiking trail. They still have trail. a stamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then on our way back, we hit up, let's see. That one that was like nothing. Oh, oh yeah. Schoolcraft State Park. Mm-hmm. And Father Hennepin. Was there another one? I think that was it. The mine one. Oh, yeah. That was like the nothing one. That was in Grand Rapids or just outside of Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Nice. We haven't been to any of yeah, we haven't been we haven't really traveled up into that uh area very much um we've gone up to the lakes the lakes region uh mm-hmm. but not there on so the i list. guess it's on the list now <laughs> yeah yeah no it's a it's a great little area and it's nothing that other than maybe going to itasca we probably wouldn't have gone to any of those other state parks just they weren't on our radar were they crowded at all no not at all um, even Itasca was, I mean, at the headwaters during the afternoon, it was busy. But um, other than that, like we, we took our dog who doesn't do well in crowds. So we got up really early one morning and did the headwaters and there was like one other couple there. Nice. Um, but all the other state parks on the trails, it was, there's like nobody. Tons of mosquitoes though. <laughs> yeah, the mosquitoes were endless. Yeah. Yeah. It had just rained like for the past week and then it got really hot and the mosquitoes just came out <laughs> full force. The Minnesota Welcoming Committee. They're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. What did you think of Minnesota when you first moved to it, Sarah? Oh boy. <laughs> I um, did not like it very much um, at first. I'm going to be totally honest because why not? Um, coming from New York, um, I'm used to being told uh, very directly how anyone feels at any one given point in time. Um, <laughs> that's very different in Minnesota. 
Um, there's like, it's, it's already hard to make adult friends. So moving somewhere where I knew nobody in a culture that's pretty reserved was like, it was so hard to initially like find my way into a community here in Minneapolis. And now that we're in our fourth year living here, I feel like I finally can be like, these are my friends. I figured it out. I know what I'm doing. I know how to get around. I'm also used to, I lived in Manhattan for about three years. And the way that city is laid out is like one, two, three ABC. So it's really easy to like pinpoint where you're going. <laughs> Minneapolis and St. Paul, there's a river that goes through it and there's all these neighborhoods and they're all cut out kind of different. Um, it took me a long time to figure stuff out. But now that I am, I can, will call myself a Minnesotan before I call myself a New Yorker now. I love it. It's going to be really hard for me to go anywhere if we ever decide to leave. The state parks are gorgeous. The boundary waters are gorgeous. The North Shore is incredibly amazing. Um, Minneapolis is like a bigger Brooklyn with a lower price point. So I love it that much more. It's just such a cool place to be and to live that I am fully uh, converted uh anti-Minnesotan. I was very actively like, Andy, I hate it here. I can't live here. We have to leave. And now I'm like, I love it. You'll never get me to go. Yeah. Just, just took you some time. Took you some time. But yeah, that's so true. Like coming, I mean, yeah, New Yorkers versus Minnesota. It's, it's majorly different. Majorly different. I mean, even being home this week, you know, it's just a different, it's a different culture. It's a different kind of love. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, you know, that top is ugly, Sarah. Why are you wearing it? Instead of like, oh, you know, maybe you should think about trying a different color or I don't know, you know, like dancing around right. the point. It's very, very direct. direct. So, yeah, and very direct it's hard for me also as a New Yorker and a direct person to talk to people that aren't direct because they're like, whoa, you're like really brash or why would you say that to me? And it's like just being real. <laughs> and I found the people that appreciate it. So we're, we're peas and carrots now. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing about Minneapolis is that it is people from like all over. It does become, it's just like a mesh of people in that city. Yeah. I've definitely discovered that too. Like there's, um, I took like a, uh, an improv class actually. And I met a girl from Philadelphia who was saying she had just moved here and was having trouble like entering into society. And we kind of clicked as East coasters, like, what is this place that we are? Like what's going on? So it was nice to know that there are a lot of people feeling the same way. And that was something interesting to learn. You know, you think living in New York City, this is the biggest city ever in the world. And then I moved to Minneapolis. It's like Target, 3M, Best Buy. I mean, you're just like surrounded by mega corporations. Like the, the culture that that creates is so different too. It's, it's just been very interesting. A different type of city, but it's grown on me. Awesome. Yeah. We, we're not big. I mean, we live in like a Northern suburb, so we're not like huge, like Minneapolis people, but we love Minnesota. I mean, we go to Minneapolis here and there, but. And I worked there for like yeah. nine years downtown. So oh, wow. like I've, I understand the, I guess, city culture. It's just yeah, not for, sure. for us to necessarily live within that. We're like more outer suburbs. Nice. Yeah. I mean, we only live in Coon Rapids. It's not that far from Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> However, our friends from Minneapolis that do live in Minneapolis say it's way out there. <laughs> you live way up north, That's they true. always you tell do. us. You do live a long ways away <laughs> yeah. from people who live in Minneapolis, but it's like if you live right across the border, you live out of Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs>
we had to get her up to the North Shore and take her down to like Red Wing. Mm-hmm. And then where else did we go? The Lakes region. Yep. And Isle Royale. Boundary Waters, Voyagers. Like Once we got all, all those under the belt, she kind of started coming around. <laughs> yeah, just had to get all the iconic Minnesota things in. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The State Fair, that was a big one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're doing like drive-through state fair this year. I know. I was at first when we took this trip, I was like, well, we're not missing the fair. So this is cool. And now I'm like, darn it. (laughs) We're going to miss it. I am a little sad. I'm a big state fair. I'm a major state fair fan and I'm a huge state fair food fan. And so the fact that I can't go get my sweet Martha's cookies or Tom Thumb donuts or. We even brought up sweet Martha's here because we could use one of their buckets. Yeah, we're foraging yeah. for blueberries here. Oh yeah, I saw you guys were foraging. It's awesome. There's so many blueberries here; it's insane. And uh, we don't have a container with us that's like perfect for foraging and carrying on a long hike. And we were joking that a, a sweet Martha's cookie bucket would be the perfect would be container. The perfect foraging <laughs> container. It totally would be. Yeah, the foraging out there was great. And yeah, we never had a good bucket either. It seemed like we always just ended up using one of our dog's clean poop bags. That's Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I used. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, we just like, I was awestruck because, so we just got into foraging this, this year. year yeah. um, we did some morels mm-hmm. uh, in the spring in Minnesota. And then... That was really it. On the hike the other day uh, in in Stratton, Maine, we found a lobster mushroom. We found oyster mushrooms. Um, We found oyster mushrooms, honestly, just pulled off the side of the road and they were like right there on the tree. So do you guys like have a book with you when you're doing this or? Yeah. Yeah. We bought it from like a used bookstore in in Northeast Minneapolis or something. So it's from like the 50s and has that amazing book smell. (laughs) But uh, it's really heavy. So really, it's not the best hiking thing. Yeah. So we check our book part of quite a few like foraging Facebook groups too. Mm -hmm. So you kind of like the check one is like, does it look like the ones that I've seen on the internet before? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Let's get the book out. Get the book out. Yeah. Okay. It it checks off the other uh, boxes. So that's usually it. Um, But the mushroom thing, you kind of find few and far between, but out here we were up on Cadillac mountain, just like to quick look at the overlook. And all of a sudden I looked down and it's just like, blueberries everywhere everywhere so yeah i was just awestruck and started picking blueberries for 30 minutes and yeah a dog's clean poop bag yep and it's a great uh great way to keep your food costs down <laughs> we had blueberry pancakes we've had mushroom pasta i mean it's like it doesn't get much cheaper than what you found in the woods yeah so you actually use the mushrooms that you found mm-hmm. yeah so we what did we make uh with the oyster mushrooms we made a like a omelet. Oh right. One morning, yep. omelet um, so with we had kale two and omelets, yep. and then the lobster mushroom we used just as kind of a meat replacement topper on some penne pasta, pasta. Mm-hmm. and then the blueberries. Pancakes. We this had morning. killer blueberry pancakes this morning, and then you I plan on plans. picking every day basically like limiting. He's being very humble. We went to Hannaford today just to buy flour and sugar so he could make a blueberry something in this cast iron Dutch oven we have. So stay <laughs> tuned. We'll know maybe tonight or tomorrow. But Follow us on socials <laughs> and you'll see it <laughs> you'll see or our see our posts on, <laughs> on our website later on for further recipes and <laughs> my commentary on 
the process. Uh, <laughs> I've never made anything in a Dutch oven like this before uh, on my own. So we'll see how it goes. Tessa, that'll be your contribution to the blog then, right? <laughs> that's it. That's Got it. it. <laughs> so that's an exciting part of the week is pick as many blueberries as you can and cook up desserts the whole time. I'm, I'm down with that. That fits my itinerary very well. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, that's like the best kind of life right now and really, really helps you escape the COVID life, right? For <laughs> <laughs> yeah. real. Yes. One of our favorite things on the road trip last summer was just to walk into grocery stores and find whatever was on sale. Like just go to the clearance and buy whatever clearance meat they were selling that day. Yep. That's it. <laughs> whatever it was, that's what we were eating. Yep. That's the move. It's almost better that way because then you don't have to like think about, well, what do we want to eat for dinner tonight? It's like, it's decided for me. Yep. I just pick it up and figure it out from there. Yep. Exactly. And it's like five bucks or less. <laughs> We've been trying to like find the local discount stores too. Uh-huh. And like anyone that listens to this that goes to Maine, what, Martins. go to Martin's. <laughs> Martin's is the discount outlet of Maine. This place is amazing. Uh, back in Minneapolis, we have, uh, I don't know if discount you've ever been to Mike's, Mike's Discount Foods. Love yes, I see your head shaking. <laughs> um, so it's a lot like Mike's, but has uh, other stuff too, like, like furniture, clothing and, and furniture clothing. and flooring. And it's like Minnesota home outlet met Mike's and had a baby. <laughs> pretty yeah. much what it is yeah that's uh, but it's of, awesome like we've been trying to do that like trying to uh, go to different we go to find thrift the stores in stuff, every single town go to thrift stores if we're gonna buy anything like check the thrift store first yeah you can get tons of bar harbor like souvenir merchandise at the goodwills and local thrift stores in bangor maine like you can get any souvenir you want there <laughs> yeah so that's a little, <laughs> a hot little tip for anybody that's traveling when you go check out the local thrift stores because they probably have that t-shirt uh saying where you went um for like a dollar 95 percent off yeah yeah the little shot glass and that's it it's there there. a license plate with your name on it maybe that's gonna be be hard i'll keep looking for the one that says sarah (laughs) yeah great tip though that's so true just find the thrift shops for souvenirs i love it you lose the like glitz and glamour of shopping in downtown bar harbor but you still got the t-shirt i get the ice cream in downtown bar harbor not the t-shirt the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah way better money's way better spent yeah. <laughs> lobsters sure. and ice cream perfect <laughs> yes this has been super cool um where can people find your website I know you said it was undergoing some changes. Yep. So we are switching from the personal blog and we are moving over to thriftytripster.com. And if you're used to our personal blog, it'll still redirect you there. Um, But we are uh, officially Thrifty Tripster um, on socials, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook. um, And our website is thriftytripster.com. That's us. Awesome. So we will be sure to put that in the show notes so people can find you. And that is about all unless you guys wanted to add anything else no this has been super cool you guys are the the coolest sarah and andy (laughs) you're the coolest sarah and andy (laughs) we have i have to tell you like she just was like i just got this uh 
I don't know how you reached out to her, but on someone, Instagram. yeah, I just got an Instagram DM that was like, Hey, we want to do this podcast. And we were both like, yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. Like, so super exciting. We're huge podcast um, listeners and now we listen to you guys. So this is cool. Yeah. 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 And we have like a lot of people from Minnesota on our podcast, but it's also Lots a of mix of people. Yeah. The lady that you had on from a through hiker podcast, the PCT. Yeah. Okay. Aaron. I was listening to her podcast like a year ago. Yeah. Months ago or something like, cause I was listening to a whole bunch of different through hiking podcasts. Her, yeah. Right. And, uh, then all of a sudden I heard her, she put, she put her episode on the other day when we were listening and I was like, no way. This is crazy. Small world. Small world. Yeah. It's funny. We were, we actually, you came across her podcast when she was searching for our podcast. Yeah. She just put in like hiking through and then Aaron's popped up mm -hmm. and yeah, I was, I was actually interviewed on Aaron's podcast before, right before we had her on our podcast too. So about my superior hiking trail through hike. How was that? Can yeah. we hear a little bit about that or should I go listen? <laughs> that was awesome. Well, you can listen to that episode on either our podcast where Sarah interviewed yeah. me or Aaron's, but um, no, it was good. I did it last September and it took me about 21 days and there is highs and lows like literally and emotionally. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was more difficult than I thought it would be, I guess. Um, especially even just for Minnesota, we had just finished our road trip and we had done places like we did a little bit of the AT, um, in Maine, actually right on the South side of the hundred mile wilderness. over yeah, in Monson, Maine. Cool. And then we did some of the long trail, we hiked out west when we were out in Montana and Wyoming. So I was like, all right, I I think I got this down. You know, I think I got my trail legs. I'm prepared to do, my plan was three to four weeks on the Superior Hiking Trail. And I kind of pushed myself a lot at the beginning and kind of wore my feet out a little bit. Plus it was raining the whole time. So my boots were waterlogged and swelled up. My feet swelled up. So I had some issues with like blistering on the back of my heels and stuff. The, uh, <laughs> the first weekend Sarah came up. Um, so I was like about a week into my hike and I was like, all right, I got to ditch some stuff out of my pack, make that lighter. I want to ditch my boots, get trail runners. Cause those dry out a little bit quicker. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was good though. After she came up and, both of our moms came up as well with her and got that encouragement. Yes. He just, shoes. he I, looked like a zombie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was averaging like 15 mile days and it was, I mean, I thought manageable, but I had done, I think our longest one we had ever backpacked was like 10 before then. Yeah. So no, it was awesome though. I'm so glad I did it. And I'm glad that like, at one point when you did come up, I was like, should I just quit, go home and like maybe another year retry it or something like that? And she's like, no, she's I like, wanted no. to do it. <laughs> Gave me the tough love of, <sighs> no, you said you were going to do this. You better stick to it. So I was like, all right, you're right. And ever since yeah, I was just like pushing forward and my heels got way better once I got new shoes and <laughs> the whole experience was awesome. You need that, that tough love out there. That two questions. So 
what time of year did you go and which direction did you go? I went southbound, so started, started at the Canadian border. Yep. Um, and I went in September. So I think I started like September 8th through like the 28th or 29th. It took me 21 days. Okay. And so then I, I was grateful there was like hardly any bugs. Yeah. The leaves were changing actually. So as I was going south, the leaves kind of kept following me as I, I was going. Um, I did run into a lot of rain, which I guess is kind of typical in the fall up there. Mm -hmm. um, and I ran into all sorts of weather. Like there was days, a couple days where the highs were 80 and humid. And then there was a couple days where it was like 40 and freezing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a challenge. So yeah, that was the one thing about hiking in the fall up there is just the various clothing layers that you do have to pack. Makes sense. Yeah, I was hoping to do it. I don't know, maybe next year with my brother or something. But <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, if you do do it, are you gonna do the well the two different types of hikes, the traditional or like the total? So like the traditional stops in Duluth, you know, and then the total goes all the way to the Wisconsin border. Yeah, I would. I probably wouldn't go through Duluth. I'd probably just do the 250. Yeah. Well, I would recommend going through Duluth. I don't know. I was kind of like, I don't know what what's in Duluth, and there's no free camping or anything. You yeah. have to either find a hotel or a campground, which is more difficult this year. But I was actually surprised at how um, how varied it was. Like when you go you go through Canal Park and stuff, which was kind of neat. I stayed in a hotel down there okay. for one night, and then once you go back up the hill, though, it's like then you're back out into the woods again and you get to see some neat stuff i think nice. so it's it's worth it if you are kind of on the fence well thank you for the recommendation because <laughs> now i'm uh leaning much more that way yeah yeah there's some very interesting nature stuff even through duluth itself um that you go through there's like a nature area like more north of um i guess the downtown area of duluth there we go now you uh, gotta, gotta do, do it. it. That's three, three things. <laughs> Washington and the hiking trail. There we go. <laughs> I have to write them down. Yes, so many things. Yeah. Um, another podcast you guys should listen to is we interviewed a dude who lives out in Monson, Maine, and we stayed at his property. He's like literally turning, like he bought a piece of land and is turning it into like a campsite, kind of. <laughs> that's awesome that is so cool that's awesome we were uh we'll definitely listen to that yeah um on the dirt i stumbled across this place that's like uh i don't want to say it's like a commune but it's like a collective where they have oh, like wow. tiny homes uh in the mid-coast region of maine and you can you work for four hours a day and they provide you a, a place to stay and three meals a day uh, and you just kind of help them build out their property uh and we were looking at doing that that's on my list to the do the pups so might be a challenge might be a we'll see. yeah that sounds super awesome though like super cool community living yeah if i find it i'll send it over to you guys or i'll have sarah send it yeah that sounds cool yeah yeah well cool um yeah when you guys are back in minneapolis we should definitely get together <laughs> I know, right? I was like, wait, I think they're from Minnesota, yeah. Andy. 
what we could do is we could find a park that neither one of us have been to and oh. we could get a bunch of stamps in our state <laughs> yes even better idea we'll enjoy the rest of your guys's road trip yeah thanks guys this was so cool it was uh the happiest one of the happiest surprises on the trip I was like oh we're gonna be on this podcast so cool so <laughs> thank you yeah. yeah and I hope the rest of your travels are adventurous a little bit of little bit hectic but <laughs> <laughs> lots of fun thank you so much thank uh, you. we gotta go get some ice cream now yay <laughs> <laughs> We've loved doing this podcasting journey. We love bringing awesome guests on. We love seeing that people are listening. And we're really, really grateful that this is hopefully inspiring other people to get outdoors. Yeah, and as part of our mission at Hiking Through Life, we really want to help support others in continuing their journey or starting their journey into the outdoors. So as part of that, we have plans for future episodes to address some listener feedback. So if you have questions about backpacking, hiking, adventuring outdoors, let us know. Email hikingthroughlife at gmail.com and submit us your question or topic and we'll possibly address it in a future episode. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.